Would you please stand now? So read this morning's text for our message from Matthew chapter 6. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our debts as we also forgive as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Our kids can be dismissed. There's uh, programming down the hall for them today. And we are glad that you are here at the 9 o'clock service at Community Christian Church. Thanks for worshiping with us this week. Some of you know that I um, moonlight a little bit. Every fall, I get to be a part of a gig on Friday nights that involves me strapping a microphone to my head and then pretending that I know something about the game of football. And I have done a PA for about 18 years now. I I did not believe that was possible, but I've been doing it that long. And early on, I found that the the public address gig was uh, easier if I had two rules in place. Number one rule is this. It has to be written down. I decided really quickly that my gig was to announce the game, not to memorize the price of hot dogs or what quarter of the game the face uh, painting will end. And so, hence my rule, write it down. I will announce whatever school thing you have that has nothing at all to do with football right now, I will announce it, but only if you write it down. So, rule number one has to be written down. Here's rule number two. Here's rule number two. Not yet, not yet. Here's, here's rule number two, no birthdays. No birthdays. Uh, it's, it's always a friend of somebody that has a birthday in the crowd that comes into the press box. Oh, my friend is uh, back from Mississippi, and they graduated from Fort Scott High School in 1976. They've always been a tiger. They're still a tiger. She doesn't know that I'm up here asking, would it be uh, too much to ask to wish her a happy birthday? Or maybe we could all sing to her. No. <laughs> Can you believe it? Her birthday is actually today. Well, I can believe it because in my professional PA experience, if you get about more than three people in the stands at any sporting event, one of them has a birthday today, the other has a birthday yesterday, and the third person has a birthday in three weeks, and they think that that's close enough and we ought to announce it. That's how it goes. I can believe it. So no, we don't do birthdays. Because Dusty Calculus says that in any sporting crowd, there will always be about 50 birthdays. And so, if we do birthdays, then birthdays is all that we will do. And there's this thing called football going on. And that's why we're here. So, let's just do that tonight, okay? So, rule number two, no birthdays. Now, I have been well served uh, by those two rules, and they've saved me a lot of grief over the years. But last year, last year, something happened. And before the game, 
a little grade school girl came into the press box, and man, she's as cute as anything, and her mom is with her. And her mom looks at me, and, and they both together, they, they explain that it's their daddy's birthday today. It's her daddy's birthday. Can, can we say happy birthday to daddy today? And I'm looking at mom, and I'm looking at this girl with the cute puppy dog eyes who thinks the world of her daddy, and my rule is going through my head. We don't do birthdays. Nah, if I do your daddy's birthday, then I'm going to have to do birthdays all night long. And in my head, very loudly, the rule is no, no, we don't do birthdays. Now, what I haven't told you yet is that this particular mom's name is Jamie. And this sweet little girl beside her, her name is Blakely. And their last name is Graham, as in head coach of the football Tigers, Bo Graham. It's his wife. It's his daughter. And in that moment, the dusty calculus is spinning in my head, and I'm going through the autobanic response, and because of my rule, the answer is no. But in my heart, oh my goodness, I knew the right answer. Everybody in the press box who heard that request knew the right answer. The right answer had to be Yes, yes. Can we give a shout out to daddy, to head coach Bo Graham on his birthday that happens to be exactly today? The answer has to be yes. It doesn't matter what the rules are. The only response is yes. And so here's what we cooked. Josh Huber, Jared Martin, Josh Mr. and Alvin Metcalf Jr. And your head coach for the Tigers. Sometimes you get to be involved in magical moments of life, and that was one of them. Sometimes it doesn't matter what the rules are, what the situation is, the right answer is yes. It's yes. We're starting a series today that over the next several weeks, we're going to look at some of these times that we can step in front of our, of our dad, of our father, God, and we can step in front of him with some requests, some prayers that we can make to Him, and when we show up and we ask Him these things, it doesn't matter what subjective rules might exist, it doesn't matter what the circumstances are, it doesn't matter where you've come from, it doesn't matter how far along the journey that you are, it, if you ask God these particular things, the answer will always be yes, always yes. And there are at least a, a dozen of these kind of prayers that we could talk about. I'm going to try to tackle about six in this series, and then maybe some time in the future, we'll come back and, and we'll pick up the others. But these are prayers that God always says yes to. And let's start with a really good one. And this is a good one to start with because we will uh, go through a little refresher for our prayer life. And here it is, Lord, teach me to pray. When you pray that prayer, the answer will always be Yes. Now, how do I know that that's true? Well, in Luke chapter 11, the disciples have been hanging around Jesus for a while, and one of the disciples goes to Jesus and says, Lord, teach us to pray. See, they've been watching Jesus for a while. They, they've seen Him pray. They've seen Him go off by Himself and pray a lot. They know that He's on a different level with prayer than they are, and they, these guys are no slouches. They grew up knowing how to pray, and yet in Jesus, 
they see something else. And so, one of them comes and says, would you teach us collectively, he was probably the spokesperson, would you teach us collectively how to pray? How do we communicate with God? How do we get this relationship that you seem to have with God? What words do we use when we pray? And when it comes to prayer, that's our question too. Would you pray today if I asked you out loud? Oh, oh, I'm not, I'm not sure about that. I mean, what would I say? That's our question, right? And so, this is our request too. Lord, teach me to pray like you pray. And Jesus' answer is always yes. He says, okay, in the text, this is how. When you pray, say. And the words that Jesus gives after that little line have come to be known as the Lord's Prayer. Now, it's important to understand that what Jesus is giving in these very familiar words to us is not just another prayer to memorize and to recite. The crazy ironic thing about the Lord's Prayer is that it has become exactly that. If there's one prayer in the world, in the history of the world, that we all know so well that we've forgotten what we're saying when we say it, it is this prayer. Teams of athletes that haven't been to church since their cousin got married five years ago can assemble in a circle and get down on their knees, and they can rattle off this prayer in a heartbeat without any cheat sheet whatsoever. And so, Jesus never intended it to be that way. Jesus never intended for you just to recite these words. Now, if you do, that's not a bad thing at all. But if, we ev- if that's all we ever do with it, then it will soon become like the poem that we had to memorize in freshman English, and we just did it for a grade, and we, we might still know it, but it hasn't changed us. It's just a recitation. Jesus isn't giving His disciples a recitation. Jesus is giving them a recipe for conversation. He's giving them and He's giving us the power to have a conversation with God in this prayer. And so, the way to see these words best is to understand that Jesus is giving them as an outline for prayer. Teach us to pray. Teach me to pray, Lord. Yes, the answer is yes. And here's an outline that you can use. And when the Lord's prayer is seen in this way, then each phrase of the prayer actually becomes a topic that you can then pray about in your own prayer times. Now, if you've ever said about prayer, well, I don't know what to say, then here it is. Jesus is giving you all of the words to say that you can stand. And so, let's give, dig in a little bit to the Lord's Prayer. We're going to jump over to Matthew's version in Matthew chapter 6. And if we go phrase by phrase through this prayer, there are seven topics that should be regular parts of our prayers whenever we step forward to pray. Jesus starts this way. These are the words. Here's what to say. Our Father in heaven. Let's just stop there at that phrase. And in that phrase, Jesus is teaching us something. He's teaching us to connect with God relationally. Probably the most powerful lesson that Jesus gives in the whole prayer is these first few words. He calls God Father. Before Jesus comes along, no one has ever done this consistently. Nobody's ever called 
God Father. Even today, there are religions, certain religions that will tell you how inappropriate, how sacrilegious, even sinful it is to call God Father. But that's what Jesus does. Almost without fail, He opens His prayers by calling God Father, or the Aramaic uh, equivalent is Abba. And this is how He teaches us to pray. God, He is saying, is like a doting daddy. He loves His kids, and you are one of those if you are in Jesus. And so, just like any dad would, His favorite thing is for you to call Him Father, call Him Abba, call Him Daddy. Paul writes that when we are adopted into God's family, we no longer relate to Him as if we were slaves. Instead, we speak to Him as if we were sons and daughters because that is what we are. And so, when we pray, connect with God in your prayer, not as a slave, but as the child that you are. Now, for each of these points, uh, we're just going to pray an example prayer, okay? And so, I'm going to put it on the screen. Would you just pray this little prayer with me, just from that first line, our Father in heaven. Here it is. Father, I come to you in prayer today. Go ahead and pray with me. That's fine if you do that. Uh, Father, I come to you in prayer today, thankful that I am your child. I know I am a sinner, but you have forgiven me and adopted me as your own, and I am so grateful to be able to call you my Father. Thank you for loving me. I love you. What's the next phrase? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. What's Jesus teaching us? To worship the name of God. Just like you love it when people remember your name, God loves it when we remember and we use His name. The reason that using His name is so important. One of the reasons is that there's power, there's great power in His name. I want you to imagine that there are a bunch of siblings in the room and the smallest child stands up to all the other kids in the room. He says, clean this place up. What happens in a situation like that? Nothing, because no one listens. This is the baby that's talking and we're not going to do what the baby tells us to do, right? But things change if it's the same scenario, and yet that baby comes in to, the baby of the family comes in and says, Dad says, or Mom says, clean this place up, or she's not going to have your birthday announced at the football game tonight. Now, what happens? In that scenario, that name carries weight, right? Now you've got a different situation. The oldest, especially the oldest siblings are jumping up and they know the consequences uh, if they don't get a move on and do what was told to them to do. Names have power and God's names have power. He doesn't have just one name, He has many names. Proverbs 18.10 says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower, the righteous man runs into it and is safe. And so, what are some of the names that we could use when we address God? Here are just, just a list of, of some possibilities. God is righteousness. That's His name, righteousness. He makes us clean. God is sanctifier. That's a name of God. He has called us and set us apart. That's what the word means. God is healer. 
He heals all our diseases, not the least of which is sin. He is the banner of victory. That's a name of God. He defeats all of our enemies. God is shepherd. We call Him shepherd. He speaks to us. He leads us. He guides us. God is peace. He is our peace in every storm. He is provider. He supplies all of our needs. I love this one. His name is there. There. In Psalm 139, the psalmist says, wherever I go, there you are. If I go to the heaven, there you are. If I go to the opposite of heaven, he says, to Sheol, there you are too. I can't go anywhere where you are not. Wherever I go, you are there. And guess what? A name of God can be there because God is always there. God is the I am. We could call Him the Rock. We could call Him the Holy One. We could call Him the Almighty. We could call Him the Most High. There are literally dozens of possibilities. And as you read through Scripture, you'll actually find more names for God if you are actually looking for them. Yesterday, I was sitting outside in the cool of the morning outside. I was actually up that early in the cool, and I thought, oh, man, how nice. And I sat outside for a little bit, and I thought about Genesis chapter 3, where God is walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's what the text says. And it's a word, this, the cool of the day. It means wind or breeze or breath. And do you know why it was cool in the Garden of Eden when God was walking? Because God made it that way. And He made yesterday morning that way when I was sitting outside. And so, I came up with a new name for God. He's the coolness of the day. That's His name. He's the breeze. God, you are refreshment. Why couldn't those be His names? There are all kinds of right names for God. And so, Jesus is teaching us to use those names. Use in prayer, speak God's name out loud. And when we proclaim who He is, we not only worship Him, but we also remind ourselves of how great and how, how powerful our God is. And so, here's the prayer. Pray it with me. God, I am in awe of You. Your name is a strong tower, a place of protection and safety for me. I praise you as healer and shepherd. You are my peace and my provider. You are the God who is always there. Your name is above every other, and I worship you. And you're the coolness of the day, right? <laughs> we could add that. Uh, what's the next phrase? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What's Jesus teaching us here? The key word to remember is your, your kingdom come, not mine, your kingdom come. And so, the idea is to pray God's agenda first. In every relationship that matters to you, this is what you instinctively do already. You put the concerns of the one you love first, because if you cease to do that for long enough, you won't have a relationship anymore. Jesus says something similar in Luke chapter 12 and Matthew 6. He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Make His kingdom your primary concern. The power of prayer is not primarily in asking God for what you want, but it's in aligning yourself with His agenda. Prayer is not so much about moving God as much as it is about moving you. And when we move this way, when we move towards God. It puts us in the perfect place. We actually get to pray the things 
that God will always say yes to because they are His concerns. We could say it this way, that God also has a prayer list. There are things that He wants to see accomplished and done and come to pass. And so, when we align ourselves with His prayer list, His answer is always yes. God will always say yes if the prayer is for wisdom. God will always say yes if the, if the prayer is, fill me with the Holy Spirit, God. God will always say yes if you say, God, would you help me through this? The, the, the answer is always yes if, if you pray, God, give me an opportunity pr- to promote Jesus to people. Or the, the answer is always yes if the prayer is, God, forgive me. Those are always yes. And th- that's what some of what we'll explore in this series. And so, we pray His agenda first. And so, here's, here's the prayer. Pray it with me. God, I recognize there is no better plan on earth than Yours, and I pray for Your will to be done in my life and also in this world. May Your kingdom expand today. Have Your way in my life. Anything You want to do in me or through me, I will do. Let me choose your plan over my own. Next phrase, give us this day our daily bread. I want you to notice that up until now in the prayer, there has been nothing about us. For the very first time, all the way down a few lines in, is the first time we will turn to ourselves. And so, what's Jesus teaching us? He's teaching us that others come first even in our prayer time. And so, the prayer is, depend on God for everything. He promises to supply all of our needs. He wants us to come to Him with our problems, with our needs, with our desires, and then He wants us to trust Him to provide those things. And there are certainly things, days that we wake up and we are in need. Uh, one might argue every day we are in need. And, and when we find ourselves in need, a useful question to ask is, what do I need to do my job? What do I need to do the thing that God has tasked me to do? Because if I'm aligning myself with His agenda, then He's going to make sure that I have everything I need in order to accomplish His agenda. And so, the prayer is, I will depend on God for everything. Here it is. Pray, pray it with me. Father, I acknowledge that everything I need today will come from You. You made the heavens and the earth. You are more than capable of handling any situation I'm dealing with, so I give it to You completely. I look to You to help me and sustain me and give me Your peace. Thank You in advance for taking care of my needs. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Jesus is teaching us in this line that we have to get our heart right with God and also get our heart right with people. Those two things. Make sure in prayer that you spend time getting your heart right with God and with other people. God has offered us complete forgiveness of sin in the work of Jesus. Our hearts can be right with Him. And once we've received that forgiveness of sin because we've responded to Jesus in faith, in in repentance, in baptism, then all we have to do from then on is remind ourselves 
of that truth. Every day we preach the gospel to our heart. That's what it means to make our heart right with God. There's a great prayer that we learned in our prayer series about 18 months ago that says exactly that. It's just this very simple prayer, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Then the second line is this, Lord Jesus, have favor on me, a son. Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord Jesus, have favor on me, a son. That's the gospel message. It it recognizes that we are the worst of sinners, but at the very same time, because of what Jesus has done, that we are cherished children of God. And so, we get our heart right with God. We remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. And then, secondly, we we, we get our heart right with other people, other people who have hurt us, who have offended us, who have left us. God, would you help me let you take care of that? Help me to, here's a rough word, forgive. And here's the key. In light of the fact that you have forgiven me, would you help me to forgive? That's how forgiveness is possible. When we realize how much it costs God to forgive us, then it becomes irrational to to withhold that forgiveness from other people. And here's something really cool that we can even forgive in advance. (laughs) We can say, God, today I know people are going to hurt me. I'm going to have to walk through the halls at school today, and I know they're waiting. I know they're waiting around the corner. They're going to say those things to me. I know that I'm going to have to go through traffic today, God, and it's going to be thick, and somebody's going to cut me off. God, today I'm going to be on Facebook. I'm going to be on Reddit. I'm going to be on Twitter, and odds are good that somebody is going to offend me. I need your help to forgive them in Jesus' name, even right now, before I'm in those places ahead of time, so that when I get to the real thing, I've had a head start. And so, the prayer is this. Pray it with me. God, thank You so much for offering me the gift of forgiveness. Show me areas of my life that I need to bring before You in order to receive forgiveness and healing. I confess that I've been struggling with sin. Through the blood of Jesus, forgive me for my sin. And as you have so freely forgiven me, I also want to freely forgive others. I release to you those who have hurt me, and I trust you to handle those situations according to your perfect will. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. God actually doesn't lead us into temptation. That's kind of where the line leads us. The actual translation should be a little different. The translation should be this, do not allow us to be led into temptation. That kind of takes the emphasis off God maybe being the one doing the tempting, which we know He doesn't do. And so, literally here, God, I will have a chance to sin today. When I get to the office, when I get to school, when I get to Walmart, when I hop on TikTok. So, when I get there, God, help me. Help me stand against the enemy. Help me to fight the devil. And so, here's the bullet point that Jesus is teaching us by this line, engage in spiritual warfare. That's all it's saying. Recognize that you're on a battlefield. 
recognize that there's a fight going on all around you right now. Ephesians chapter 6 says, for we do not wage war against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. We have an enemy every day all around us that wants to pull us away from God. And so, if that's true, then every day, then I need to recognize that and I need to take a stand against that enemy. And taking a stand just means this. It's very simple. It means that I replace the lies that the enemy is telling me with the truth of God. That's all it means to stand. We ask God to shine His light on the lies that we are being told, on the lies that we are believing, and we replace them with His truth. And there's one idea that is all that it takes is this, I have an enemy, God help me fight him. And so, here's the prayer that can come out of that idea. God, I recognize that my struggles today aren't against the people or the circumstances around me, but against the enemy. Please help me to see how the enemy is lying to me. Help me to recognize his lies and replace them with the truth of your word. While the enemy wants to destroy me, I know that you came to give me life to the fullest. And I don't have to fear the enemy because the one who is in me is greater than the one who is in the world. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Now, depending on what translation you're reading, that may not be in there. It's actually in some manuscripts. It's in the King James Version. This line is probably added onto the prayer at a much later date, but nevertheless, it is appropriate because it has us end the prayer where Jesus started the prayer with God. Just like your kingdom come at the beginning, now at the end is the kingdom is yours. The kingdom is yours along with all of the glory and all of the power forever and ever. And so, this line teaches us to just express faith in God's ability. Would you just trust that God can do amazing things? God is more than able to move in whatever situation that you're facing. Whatever the day holds, ending our prayers by claiming His authority over everything reminds us of who is really in control. It's not me. It's not you. God is really in control. There's a couple verses that will really help us. Jeremiah 32 says, Ah, sovereign Lord, you made the heavens and the earth by your great power and our outstretched arm. Here's the important line. Nothing is too hard for you. Here's Revelation chapter 5. There's a bunch of people sitting around the throne and they're all saying this, to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and might forever and ever. And so, in this last line, we declare who has the real authority, who has the real power, and who will really win in the end. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. So, what kind of prayer can we make out of that? Pray with me. Father, Father God, nothing is too hard for You. Through your great power, all things are possible. All authority is yours, all might is yours, and I know that your victory will be complete. You are amazing, 
and I worship you. I praise you for your power and your presence in my life. You are my God, and you are worthy of all praise. There's one more word in the prayer, and we just say it this way, amen, right? We've added it. It's not in the text, but it's right to add it. Amen just means this, may it be. That's what it means. And it's an emphatic declaration that all that has come before that we have said is reliable and firm and true. Amen. May it be. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians these words, for all the promises of God find their yes in Him. That's why it is through Him that we utter our amen. What does it mean? May it be. We utter our may it be to God for His glory. And so, we've just gone through the whole prayer, and in this outline for prayer, here's Jesus, and He's saying, you want to learn to pray, here's how to pray. Here's what to say. Connect with God relationally. Number two, use His name. Number three, pray His agenda first. Number four, depend on Him for everything. Number five, get your heart right with God and with other people. Number six, engage in spiritual warfare. Number seven, express trust in God's ability and the appropriate term that affirms that all of those things are promises that can come true in our life, that they are true and trustworthy and firm. The right word to use is amen. May it be. Yes. Amen. Now, maybe just by following along today and reading on the screen, maybe you've prayed deeper than you've ever prayed before. Part of that was you finally had the words to pray, the right words. What if that could be the norm and not just the exception? That's the goal. That's the goal. And here's the game plan every week in our uh, Yes series, and we're going to go back to our series 18 months ago, and it's just this, pray first, pray first. It's a prescription that addresses literally every part of your life, and every week that we're in this series, we just want to uh, talk about this mantra, pray first. Before you get out of bed, pray first. Before the meal, pray first. Before the appointment, before the call, before school, before the email, before the tweet, before the post, pray first. Before that trip, pray first. Before the conversation that you have to have, pray first. Prayer should be our first response, not our last resort. And because Jesus wants to say yes and because He's taught you now how to pray, now you have the words to make prayer the first thing that you do. Father, I thank You for saying yes to us and teaching us how to pray. We ask today that each one in this room, whether they are three, whether they are 93, would go, grow in prayer. Father, we pray that we would learn to pray so that we grow closer to You. We cannot do what You've asked us to do without prayer. And so, let those of us in this room who have struggled with prayer, I don't think there's anybody that's left out of that line. When we struggle with prayer, 
Would you remind us of how simple it can be? And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray first. And all the people said, may it be, may it be. Saul was a murderer of Christians. And when he encountered Jesus on the road to Damascus, there's a bright light that shone around him and he fell to his knees and he knew in that moment that Jesus was Lord and Christ, that Jesus was the Son of God, that he needed to give his life to this person named Jesus. And to do that, he was sent to a man named Ananias, and he was told what to do to make Jesus Lord. When he gets there, Ananias says to Paul this, what are you waiting for? Be baptized and wash your sins away, calling on his name. It's a, it's a scripture that we have on the wall right over here. And that, that phrase, calling on his name, is the important phrase. Do you know what that phrase makes this event called baptism? Calling on his, be baptized, calling on his name. Do you realize that that makes baptism a prayer? It's an enacted prayer that says, God, come into my life. When I step into the water, I'm saying, God, come into my life. I have no chance otherwise in these waters. I'm calling on your name to do only what you can do. And so, would you forgive me through the work of Jesus? Would you bring me closer to you than ever because of the gift of the Holy Spirit? Pray first. Pray first. If God is a million miles away today, and that's your challenge. That's your invitation. Would you pray first? Would you come and open yourself up to pray first in the waters of baptism because it's ready? Will you do that today? There's no better prayer than you, that, that you can pray. So come and pray it. Would you stand and let's sing together?